Now I'm on. Mind your business. This is the message that we're going to hear from the Apostle Paul this morning from Colossians chapter 3. This is great that, that was the ver- this chapter is referenced in the baptism this morning. I don't think we planned that. Maybe we did. <laughs> this is an important message for us today. As we think about being in a sermon series called Life Together, where we as the body of Christ are learning from Scripture, well, how do we do that? How do we be the body of Christ? What does it look like to honor and glorify God? So there's an individual component to this message this morning, a personal uh, application, but there's also a corporate application because each of us is part of the body of Christ. And so each of us is responsible to mind our business individually, and we, the body of Christ, are responsible to mind our corporate business to be sure that we're on the right track. Now, there are things that distract us in life from the the purposes God has set before us. One of those distractions in my life has been Facebook. I'll admit it. So uh, go ahead and and show that slide. This, you might resonate with this. Uh, Facebook, I'm trying to work, but Facebook's like, no, but check me, check me. Come on, come check me, right? So so a a while ago in in my past, there's been times where, where I would sit down at my computer and I would open up Facebook, not intending to be on Facebook for very long. And three hours later, I'm like, what, what, why am I here? What am I doing? Can anybody relate to that? Well, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg, the, the founder of Facebook, is going to be happy to hear this message because there, he gives this testimony that their algorithms work. They have figured out exactly what needs to be the very first thing that I see when the Facebook web browser opens to draw me in, to suck me in, and to capture my attention, right? So the good news is, though, I've figured it out. And now, though, it's still tempting and and it's still uh, possible for me to get sucked in. But now I literally walk myself through the process. (laughs) Maybe you can relate to this because I know that I have things that are more important than Facebook. And so I will sit down at my computer and I'll go, "Okay, I need to go to this Facebook group and I need to type this message. I need to hit send and then I need to hit the red X and close the window. And so I go in and sometimes I'm successful at that. Yes, I beat Facebook. (laughs) Other times I'm like, I do that. But then 30 minutes later, I'm like, uh, I did it, but I still got sucked in. They know exactly what they need to do to draw our attention and to distract us from whatever it is we have to do, because they want our time and our attention and our energy to be spent in social, in their social media platform, whether it's Instagram or whatever. So those are just, that's one example of a distraction in my own life. Maybe there's some weapons of mass distraction in your own life. Now, here's some examples that, that might, might be applicable, like YouTube. Some of you uh, younger generations, especially hours and hours and hours on YouTube. And you're like, where did my day go? Uh, or maybe you don't even care. You're just like, yes, I spent hours on YouTube and you love that. Uh, Twitter seems to never end, right? Uh, blogs, uh, things like that. Maybe there's other things in your life. Maybe it's watching sports. Maybe it's uh, throwing yourself completely into a hobby. And there's nothing wrong with hobbies. Um, but just the idea that they, when they distract us from what God has for us, then they become a problem. So Paul writes to the church in Colossae. And he, he, he illustrates or highlights a couple of things that were distractions for them. And he calls them out. Before we get there, I want to set the context. 
So Paul is not in Colossae. He's obviously writing to the church in Colossae, the people there called the Colossians. And uh, what has happened is this guy from Colossae named Tychicus, can you say that? Tychicus, kind of weird name, has traveled uh, from Colossae to visit Paul. Paul's in prison at this point. And he gives a report about the Colossians. And he says, Paul, great things are happening The gospel is being shared. People are coming to know the Lord. There's incredible work happening in in Colossae. But he also reports that there's some issues. And this is what Paul addresses. Now, what's interesting about the context of of this, this letter is there's another letter in the New Testament called Philemon. You may recognize that. It's just a one page letter in our Bible near Hebrews. And it's a personal letter written from Paul to Philemon, delivered at the same time. And Philemon is interesting because Philemon is the guy who owns the house where the church in Colossae met. So Paul, and there's a slave named Onesimus, who is Philemon's slave, who is with Paul as well. And so Paul writes this letter to the church, what we now call the letter Colossians, and he writes a letter to the leader of the church, Philemon, and he sends these letters with Tychicus, the letter to the church with Tychicus, and he sends the letter uh, to Philemon with Onesimus, Philemon's former slave. And these letters are delivered to the community of Colossae, and they land there about the same time. And then Philemon would have been the one to, uh, to probably, most likely, receive this letter to the Colossians and read it to the church congregation meeting there in his home. And then, and, and so that, that is just incredible to think about. These, these are real life people. Sometimes with the, with, the, with the Bible, it's easy to think, oh, those are just characters in a made up story. But no, these are real life people making real life journeys, carrying real letters penned by those that we look up to. So as we look at chapter two, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter two, verse eight. And we're going to see the first distraction that the Colossians were dealing with that Paul addresses. The first distraction. And this is the distraction of polytheism, meaning the worship of multiple gods. Okay? So some, not all, but some of, in the church were, were putting Christ in, Jesus into their kind of library of gods, if you will. Uh, instead of just worshiping Jesus alone and giving Jesus the primary point. So let's look at verse 8. Paul writes, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. You see, there were some false teachers preaching and teaching uh, that, that you didn't just need Jesus. You needed some other things, some other gods as well. That Jesus is great, but he's not the, the only way. But we know that Jesus said... I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Paul's reminding the Colossians of that. In verse 15, uh, he says, Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he, Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. They have no authority in our lives. So those other gods that that the Colossians were worshiping, Paul's saying, have nothing compared to the supremacy of, of Christ. Christ is supreme for us. The second 
distraction that the Colossians were dealing with was some were wanting to return to following the Old Testament law. But Jesus, we know, said, I, I came to, uh, to abolish, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Jesus has come and taken care of that. There's nothing else we need to do to have relationship with God except have relationship with Jesus to uh, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. That's all it takes to be saved. There's no more laws or anything else that need to be put in place. No more hoops for us to jump through in order to get to that. But some of the Colossians were believing that. Verse 16 says, therefore, Paul says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Don't let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such people also go into great detail about what they have seen. Their unspiritual minds puff them up with idle notions. They have lost connection with the head, Christ, from whom, uh, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Christ needs to be the center. Christ is sufficient for us to have relationship with God. We don't need the law. Christ came to fulfill the law. We need Christ. So Paul highlights these two distractions for the church in in Colossae. And then he gives them some instructions. And he says, since then, in chapter 3, verse 1, since then you have been raised with Christ. This is your new identity. This is who you are. Set your hearts on things above when, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, which would have, was seen as the place of authority at that time. The right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Mind your business. Keep your mind and your heart set on things above. Set on Christ Jesus crucified, dead, and resurrected. He's sufficient. We don't need any other hoop to jump through. We don't need to worship any other God because Jesus is all that we need, Paul says. Verse 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's going to be an awesome thing, isn't it? Amen. That's going to be an incredible day when we get to appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. We praise Jesus for that. Verse 5, Paul says, if we're going to do that, if we're going to be who Jesus wants us to be, then there's some things, some distractions that we need to deal with, that we need to put to death in our lives. These are some things that get in the way. And Paul's saying, you got to die to these things so that your mind can be about the right kind of business, can be about gospel work, about gospel relationships. So Paul says in verse 5, Put to death, therefore, whatever, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, whether it be sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. And he says, these are idolatry. He's saying, these are gods that you've put up in your life You've given that seat of authority in your life that you need to put to death. You need to remove them. You need to take them down and submit them to Christ. 
and you need to replace them with Christ. And then he continues giving the attitudes that will come out of that process. He says in verse 6, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. He says, you used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived. But now you also must rid yourselves of all such things. And he gives these great things that come out of our relationships. So maybe you can think of a relationship where maybe some of these things are an issue in your life. He says, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other. Verse 9, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and you claim Christ, don't lie to each other. And have put on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. This is who we are in Christ. We submit our old life, our old selves, our distractions to Christ, and we replace Christ in their place. The attitude of Christ, the heart of Christ, the mind of Christ. Verse 11, Paul continues, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and Christ is in all. Meaning no, there's no barrier that keeps us away from Jesus Christ. There's no, no category that can prevent someone from coming into relationship with Jesus Christ. It also means there's no excuse to not come into relationship with Jesus Christ. And then in verse 12, Paul gives us a therefore, which is, me, which is the idea that since this is happening, now you must do something different. And this is where I want to challenge you, okay, to not leave this place today and sit at lunch, around your lunch table and go, wow, that was a great sermon, great worship service today. But instead, to talk about what you will actually do differently as a result of hearing God's word today. And here's what Paul encourages us. He says, therefore, now you are God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. And he continues in verse 13, bear with one another. That can be a really hard thing to do when someone absolutely grates on your nerves and drives you absolutely bonkers. Paul calls us to bear with each other because that person is made in the image of God just like you are. And they have access to the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ just like you do. And God's at work in their life just like God's at work in, in your life. So we're called to bear with one another, even when it's tough. And if you have any grievance against someone, Paul says, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. We have been forgiven by Christ and those, those others in our lives need to be forgiven as well. And then in verse 14, he says, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You see, when we replace the things that are of our old nature with the things that are of Christ, when we put on Christ, we become a beacon of light, a beacon of hope to the world around us. Jesus told the disciples in John chapter 13, 34 and 35, he said, guys, a new command I give you, that you love one another. 
And it is by the love that you have for one another that the world will see Jesus. We'll see the good news. We'll see the gospel at work in and amongst our fellowship. We'll see us encouraging one another. We'll see us challenging each other. We'll see us holding each other accountable out of love. And we'll want a piece of that. We have the opportunity to mind our business, to set our hearts and our minds on, uh, on Christ, to put on Christ, not for our own glory, but for the glory of God at work around us and in us and through us. Absolutely incredible encouragement from the Apostle Paul. And so I want to challenge you today to think about, and actually pull out your worship guide if you would, and I want to ask you, as, as I'm going to go through a couple suggestions here. I want you to think about what is a distraction in your life that causes you to not put on Christ, that gets in the way of you putting on Christ. What is a distraction? Is there a relationship in your life that needs to be submitted to the Lord? Maybe there's some anger, some rage, some malice, some envy, some jealousy going on in that relationship, and that needs to be submitted to Christ. You just write that relationship on your paper. It needs to be replaced with hope, with encouragement, with love, with forgiveness, with patience, with gentleness. Maybe there's an attitude in your life that needs to be submitted to Christ. Maybe that's a distraction, something that keeps you from focusing on Christ. An attitude that needs, an, an attitude of anger, an attitude of malice, an attitude of envy may, that needs to be replaced with love, with hope, with peace, with gentleness. Maybe with forgiveness, which Paul talks about. Maybe there's someone in your life you need to bear with so that they have the opportunity to be transformed by the power of the gospel as well. Write that person's name down or write that attitude down. Or maybe there's an addiction in your life that needs to be submitted to Christ. Facebook's great, but it could be an addiction. But then there's other things like, like pornography or alcohol or tobacco or nicotine, whatever it is. Maybe an addiction to lying. Uh, there's lots of addictions. But maybe there's something in your life that, is, that you're addicted to that is a distraction that keeps you from pursuing Christ, from putting Christ at the center, from keeping you from having the ability to mind your business of being focused on Christ. I want to encourage you during the song as, that Paul's going to sing as we respond to the word today to use this song as a time of confession, to just lift that to the Lord today. And after the service, if there's uh, something on your heart that's weighing heavily, there'll be some, our prayer team will be in the hallway uh, off to your right after the service. And I want to encourage you and invite you to, to head there and to talk with our prayer team to receive prayer, if nothing else for whatever is going on in your life that you need to submit to Christ. I want you to imagine with me the impact that we could have as the body of Christ by minding our business together corporately, sharing what God has done with us, in us and through us, with those around us. When we forgive some people or we reconcile some relationships, imagine the waves that will make in the kingdom of God in Salina, Kansas could be absolutely incredible. So let's, let's work towards that together, church. 
And the question that I leave you with today is, will you mind your business? Amen.